<clears throat> what up, Cincinnati Bengals fans? All right, it's here. I What's the date? April 9th is when I'm recording this. I'm comfortable finally stating in a podcast fully and well thought out. No givesies, backsies, as the very small children would say. I'm ready to definitively say I think the Cincinnati Bengals, if they're given the option of Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals should draft Jamar Chase willingly. In fact, I believe they should sprint to the podium for Jamar Chase. Every time I watch this man play football, I get more and more impressed. More and more impressed. But the same can be said about Penny Sewell. And that's why this is possibly the most difficult decision, the most important decision, the most influential decision in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals organization. Because of the way the rookie contract scale has developed, because of its place in NFL history, because of the history of Cincinnati Bengals' ability to draft quarterbacks, this number five pick, finally, we have the elite guy. Because if you look at Joe Burrow, his first year was comparable to what Kenny Anderson looked like, you know, per year when you average out his career. That includes the MVP season. And Joe Burrow is only going to escalate from here. The Bengals know they found something special just at the time they needed it. Just at the time all of us in Bengaldom were wondering where the hell is this thing going? Is this thing ever going to recover? Are we in another dark decade like the 90s? And now this kid, Joe Burrow, is presented to you. What do you provide him, protection or weapons? Now, I offer this to you because this is really a process question for a lot of people. If you think about the three most effective seasons Tom Brady ever had at being protected, he had very good offensive lines these years, and really the four if you count it. But if you think of the weapons he had in each of those years, 2016, 2009, 2007, and 2020 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 21 sacks or less in all of those seasons. He had elite playmakers in those seasons. He had Randy Moss in 2007, and he was sacked only 21 times. Randy Moss helped him do that. Getting rid of the football, finding a reliable receiver helps you avoid sacks. I mean, how many of the sacks last year was Joe Burrow holding onto the ball too long? Because as much as I love Tyler Boyd and as much as I love T. Higgins, I I don't think they're Jamar Chase. Because here's what I see in Jamar Chase. I see a mix of Larry Fitzgerald and Steve Smith. I see this guy who attacks the football at another level, who plays the game angry, who commits to his preparation in an angry manner, who already has an elite connection with a quarterback who values the subtle things in deep ball passing, the way we drop it on the shoulder, the way we slowly change our body, the way we slip the sideline, all those little things that football coaches and nerds will talk about for days. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will have that immediately. And Jamar Chase is one of those guys that if you put him on a basketball floor, even though he's six foot tall, 
If you put Jamar Chase on an NBA floor, he could go get eight rebounds for you. I mean, because he's going to be able to slip through guys, go grab the ball one-handed, reach in, dance the sideline, throw it back in. He's athletic. He's agile. He's balanced. But what makes Jamar Chase even more exciting, not just his ability to catch the ball, because I understand he's shorter. So he's got to provide a little more than just an ability to go grab a contested catch. You've got Auden Tate to do that. What Jamar Chase provides, I believe, will be the best rackability in the league. And we've seen this from LSU guys. Odell Beckham's ability to run after the catch is legendary. On those, I mean, Odell Beckham, how many times run a slant route, 80-yard touchdown? That's OBJ's main skill. That's some serious speed that Jamar Chase has. And his legs pump like pistons. Up, down, up, down. And his thighs, it, it looks as if if Saquon Barkley had to play wide receiver, Jamar Chase has that type of physique, this natural strength, this ability to power through tackles, this ability to strive quickly, to stop, to start. I mean, he's going to be one hell of a player to tackle. Good luck to NFL secondaries who aren't good at tackling most of the time. Most most teams can't tackle in the secondary in the NFL. I don't think they're going to be able to tackle Jamar Chase. And even though Joe Burrow was fantastic last year, the number one thing the Cincinnati Bengals know they needed to improve outside of the running game, which the running game you believe you improve simply by adding Frank Pollock and getting Joe Mixon healthy for 16 games. But another thing you add with Jamar Chase is you got to get that 6.7 yards per attempt up for Joe Burrow. That has to rise. And that's not just simply Joe Burrow's got to throw better deep balls. He needs guys that know how to go get those deep balls that he's floating out there that he wants you to go get to change your body direction a little bit. He's going to throw it just to the right, just to the left. He needs that connection. And Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were the greatest deep ball connection we've ever seen possibly on any football field ever. Now, I understand it's college football, so it might not be as impressive as the deep ball combinations in the NFL. But what we saw in 2019 from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, especially when you watch it back, it is unbelievable, unnatural, greatest stuff I've ever seen on a football field. They are that type of level. And this has never happened in NFL history where a Heisman Trophy winner who's the number one overall pick gets reunited with a guy that, in hindsight, might have been the best player on the football field in the wide receiver. I mean, I think you have some serious, serious next-level quarterback-wide receiver connection if you go Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase. And I believe the ceiling for the Cincinnati Bengals is much higher if you draft Jamar Chase. In the short term, I will admit, from 2020, 2021 to 2025. But here's the thing that we all admitted at the beginning of this thing. When we drafted Joe Burrow, what did we say? Well, we've got five years. We've got to win a Super Bowl on the rookie contract. We have to win a Super Bowl on his rookie contract. And in my opinion, Jamar Chase gets you closer to a Super Bowl than Penny Sewell does from now until the end of Joe Burrow's rookie contract. Does it get you to a Super Bowl better in 2027? Probably not. 
Penny Sewell is the better option for 10 years down the road. But guess what? When you got a quarterback on a rookie contract, it's not a 10-year decision. It's a four-year decision. It's the decision right in front of you. It's the decision that has to be made now. Because in NFL history, if you have a coach and a quarterback, if they don't win a Super Bowl in their first five years in the NFL, they've never won one together. It's never happened. Has to happen in the first five years together. It's year two. Penny Sewell's going to have to come in and play guard. He'll be rather ineffective. You won't have a deep threat. Your passing game will still be limited. It'll never push 7.3 yards per attempt. Joe Burrow will carry you. You'll have time of possession. You might win some games. You'll be able to run the ball a little bit. Defense might be better, but there's no ceiling there. With Jamar Chase, it's theoretical that with Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, if you can accidentally hit on the second-round pick and get a starting guard at that pick, just randomly hit on a guy, all of a sudden, the Bengals' offense seriously might be the number one offense in the NFL next year because you have a star at every position. And Jamar Chase will be a bona fide one. That will make T. Higgins this next-level red zone guy and then make Tyler Boyd the best slot guy in the league. And it would be an amazing combination, and Joe Mixon would have a lot of room to run, and the offense would be unbelievable. And I think that's where the organization is going. And it's where I would go. And I'm kind of scared the Bengals have the same thought process as me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a close call. Penny Sewell's a great player. If the Cincinnati Bengals do go that way, I'm in full support. I mean, Penny's great. It's, it's hard to doubt a guy like that. I think he's going to be an awesome player. But I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is so intriguing and so enthralling and so perfect. And we've never really seen it in NFL history. And I think Jamar Chase is that good as well that I think it's worth the shot. That's my opinion. Chase versus Sewell. I laid it out in a podcast. Had to just lay my thoughts out on the record. Just so that anybody that wanted to hear it down the line, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is a significant moment in Bengals history. Even Anthony Munoz is making his opinion heard. He says Penny Sewell. So reach out to us at 3 a.m. Coney. Let us know where you stand in history. What side are you on? What decision should the Cincinnati Bengals make? All right, if you're going to hang around for a little bit of bonus coverage, I have something I want to talk about at the end of the show. Um, And it's about Mac Jones. Now, it relates to Joe Burrow, so if you want a Joe Burrow connection. I I want everybody to understand that Mac Jones is not even close, never will be close, never has been close to Joe Burrow. Mac Jones doesn't have the leadership background of Joe Burrow. Mac Jones doesn't have the high school pedigree of Joe Burrow. Mac Jones doesn't have the athleticism, mobility, dedication to his body as Joe Burrow. Mac Jones isn't as good of a decision maker. 
Mac Jones isn't as good in the pocket. Mac Jones can't throw on the run as well. Mac Jones can't throw the deep ball as well. And if we look at Joe Burrow versus Tua, the last Alabama quarterback, and the reason why I relate Mac Jones to Joe Burrow is because that's the conversation that's being laid out in the draft. Mac Jones versus Joe Burrow. Mac Jones versus Joe Burrow. That's the conversation. That's what's being laid out in the draft. The reason you draft Mac Jones is because look at Joe Burrow last year. He had all those weapons. He was a great decision maker, accurate. You know, he he doesn't look the greatest, kind of like Joe Burrow, right? The arm's not the best. They're trying to make that same comparison. If Joe Burrow had busted last year, Mac Jones would be falling to the third round. But Joe Burrow worked. So everybody's like, oh, it's kind of like Joe Burrow. Here's the thing. You look at Tua and Mac Jones, somewhat similar numbers. And Joe Burrow and Tua, what was the argument between them? Oh, they have great weapons. Joe Burrow has great weapons. So does Tua. So you can't really use that argument. We got we to gotta compare different things. So they both have great weapons, right? Well, now after a year, we have all the evidence. Alabama's offense got better with Mac Jones. Barely, but it got a little better because they had better weapons more developed offensive line, um, no no, no, really great defenses in their way, a pandemic where nobody had time to prepare for Alabama, and that offense ran over everybody. What, did ha- what happened in LSU? What happened to the Tigers without Joe Burrow? Did they get more efficient? Did they light up the scoreboard? Or is everybody questioning why they paid Ed Orgeron all that money? And that's why I think it's a horrific mistake to draft Mac Jones third overall. I think Mac Jones is a good third round pick. Not third overall. I think that he's good in the pocket. I think that he can deliver the ball fairly well. I think he's accurate. I think he's a high floor starter, you know, you know like 21st best guy in the league. If you got a good offensive coach and a great system, he can certainly work. But he's got less mobility than a guy like Andy Dalton ever had. Uh, his throw on the run ability is it's can look good in moments, but it's I, I don't know, guys. It's just not there. I, don't, I just don't think he's good enough, um, especially not to be drafted third overall. And here's the thing: there's some serious maturity concerns about Mac Jones. Nobody wants to talk about it. Kid had a DUI his freshman year at Alabama. Kid played tennis growing up. I mean, how many great quarterbacks played tennis growing up? I think John Elway, maybe. <laughs> this kid ain't John Elway. Like, there's some really red flags as the type of personality background and and things you want to happen in the past. And all I have to say is, and I'm going to be frank about this, if Justin Fields had a DUI, he'd be falling to the fourth round. Or at least the very bottom of the first. If Justin Fields had a DUI, do you think he'd be talked about as the number three overall pick? Now, you know what I'm saying. You get what I'm insinuating. And we all know the truth here. It's a little unfair. It's a little unfair. And um, it kind of sucks just to see it happen live and in front of our eyes. But luckily, as Bengals fans, we don't have to worry about it. I don't care who's the best of these quarterbacks. It's fun to watch. We got our guy. We got our guy. Thanks for listening to this, Coney. I went a little extra long for the Mac Jones thing. 
in case you guys wanted to listen to it, put out some extra content today. All right. Jamar Chase, everybody. Believe in it. 61%. That's the latest poll I saw on it. And I believe that Jamar Chase will be the next Cincinnati Bengal to go to the Hall of Fame at the wide receiver position. If A.J. Green can do some stuff in Arizona and get in. All right, guys. Have a good day. I'll see you.